Hello folks, AJ here to introduce you to today's guest, Sam Barna. Sam is the founder and CEO of The Intentional Sense. Her mission is to help others overcome the overwhelm, establish a healthy relationship with money, and build a financially empowered life that they love. As a firm believer in moderation and living intentionally, she believes that it is 100% possible to pay off debt while enjoying life. In a five-year period, she and her husband paid off $150,000 towards buying a home, a wedding, major home repairs, and additional debt. She's kicking off a challenge on Monday, February 22nd called Three Days to, the, to a Well-Rounded Wallet. The challenge is designed to help you save more money without depriving yourself. Oh, and there's a gift card for a prize. Sign up in the link in her Instagram bio at The Intentional Sense. We are so excited to have Sam. Obviously, we have a lot of very similar beliefs, and we hope you enjoy the show. Hello, and welcome to Everybody's Bad With Money, where we share stories and get real about personal finance. We make money talk fun. I'm Amelie. And I'm AJ. And with us today is Sam Barna, the creator of The Intentional Sense. We are super excited to have you. And um, if it's good with you, we're ready to dive in and hear your money story and how you you turned uh, your life into helping people with their finances. Of course. Happy to be here. Thanks for having me. So getting right into it. So my money story. So Growing up, um, I listened to your episode with Lindsay and it really reminded me of myself. So I wasn't, you know, I would say I was financially privileged. I wasn't, we weren't, we weren't like well off to the point where we were living this like lavish lifestyle, but we also weren't like very worried about money. So both my parents had stable, steady, decent paying jobs. And so I wasn't exposed to like the need to be super frugal or super, concerned about money but at the same time my parents did put it out there like my mom had me get a credit card as soon as I was able to so that I could be building credit um kind of paired with her and they would like throw out different terms that were personal finance related but they were never really like teaching me it was more just kind of like trying to set me up for success but not really kind of like going into well this is why it matters and this is how you could budget it was more just like oh well you're gonna want credit someday so here's here's a credit card. And I was like, Oh, cool. And, you know, they got the bills every month and they would help, like, they would say like, okay, like, you know, you spent this much, like, you know, you have to pay us this much kind of thing. And so I learned about it, but not in the way that I think is like the most beneficial. And so I became like super, super independent. My sister had some health issues growing up. Um, so I switched to kind of doing a lot on my own. And I got a job at Rita's Italian Ice, if you know what Rita's is. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I, that was like my first like real part-time job. Like I had one before that, but it was kind of a wash. Um, but that was like the one I stuck with. Um, and so it was perfect for me because I'm like obsessed with ice cream and dessert. And I basically got to eat whatever I wanted. Um, now, like if I did that, I'd be like 500 pounds, but it's fine. Um, <laughs> but I feel like my We've had so what? many people on the podcast who are like worked at ice cream shops is like their first job. <laughs> I say hey, it's did. great. <laughs> I feel like percentage wise, it's like really high. Yeah. Oh gosh, I worked in me. an ice cream store like on and off for eight years. Which one? <laughs> it's just a local ice cream store in uh, Wellesley, Massachusetts. It was actually called Truly Yogurt, but we didn't have any yogurt, which is so <laughs> ironic. It was all ice cream. <laughs> all <the> advertising. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. 
Yeah. So I was there. I like worked my way up. I was a manager by the end um, and kind of just did my own thing. Um, then I went to college. So I kind of knew from a young age that I was obsessed with, I, first I wanted to be a vet and then I realized like animals die and I didn't want to deal with that. Um, and so <laughs> I really, really loved numbers. So I took a statistics class in high school and I was like, I love this because I've always liked math. And then once I took stats, I was like, this is the math I like. Um, but stats at the time was like not a major anywhere. Um, so I looked all around and like, I looked, so I'm from Maryland. So Maryland had one that was more of like a math with like a probability and stats focus. Um, and then our other school, like UMBC, which is like a, it's not as big of a school, but it's, it's very well, like respected in like the computer science and STEM realm. Um, but it's just not like, they don't have like a big football team. And I really wanted that like college experience of like mm. sports and, you know, moving away from home. And that's like a little bit more of a commuter school. Um, so I ended up at Virginia Tech. Um, they had my major, there was like seven of us uh, freshman class in my major. So my classes were super small, but like I still had like the big school feel um, for the pieces I wanted. Um, and so I did statistics there, then realized like, oh, what else can I do? Because I, I came in with some credit and I really wanted to like do more than just one major. So then I got really into econ. So I took one econ class my first semester and then I was like, this is it. This is what I want to double in. So I double majored in those two. Uh, my parents were super helpful throughout my college. They, um, they paid for a good chunk of it. I would say like not all of it. I paid for a decent chunk at the end, but we had originally agreed like let's split it. Um, and then I got some scholarships at the beginning and then they were able to like slide some into my junior year more. And then I was like, well, wait, I can front load my senior year and then drop to part-time so that I don't have to spend as much money. So I did that. Smart. Um, but my rent, like for context, my rent in college was like $298 a month. Like it was very cheap. Um, yeah. So I'm like super grateful for that. Um, but they were like a huge, huge, huge help. Um, and so then when I was probably like, I guess I was a junior, I was like, oh, I guess like I should get an internship and like probably leave my, my Rita's behind. So um, <laughs> I did that. I got an internship in Maryland um, and ended up loving it. And I was getting not only like a resume booster, so I could like have that on my resume when I was looking for full-time jobs, but also um, I was getting paid a lot more <laughs> than I was at Rita's. That's amazing. Um, Most internships, you don't get paid very well. Yeah, yeah. Or at and all, so, yeah. Yeah, it was great. I think, like, it, I think legally they have to pay you now. No, I think no, it's, it's college, a little more. it's college credit or pay. You, ha you have to get something, but because I process internships all the time, you have to get something. So it's either money or college credit. Got That's it. they get around it. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah you get money, you're lucky. <laughs> I, I was very lucky. And I was even luckier because it was I mean, it was like still like a 40 minute commute from my parents' house, but it was totally drivable. So I was living at my parents' house in the summer and driving back and forth. Um, so I didn't have to like pay rent or try to sublet from someone over the summer. So it was huge. That like really, really, really helped me save a ton of money. And I actually did it. So I did it. I started in a winter. So I started over a winter break and then I did it for a summer and then I went back for the winter. Um, and then I actually ended up full time there as well. So um, I went into it for the resume booster and then I was like, oh no, I actually want to stay here. So you're so loyal. <laughs> no, I actually, so I, I did apply. I applied to other jobs. I interviewed um, and actually was like debating taking a job in Virginia. 
Um, and then I just, I couldn't leave. I really like my job. Um, you still work so, there? Mm-hmm, yep. So I've been wow, there. Wow. Look at you. Yeah. It'll be eight years in wow. July. Um, and then plus the internship stuff. So it's been like almost 10, 10 years of the same company, which is wild to me. Uh, I feel so old, um, <laughs> but, but I, I love it. And my job has kind of changed. Like originally my role um, was more of just like into like different like modeling and simulation type stuff. And then I really migrated into like data science now. And that's like what I've been doing. And so I always tell people, I'm like, well, I like switched jobs, but I didn't really switch jobs. Um, if right. that makes sense. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I did that. Um, and then when I graduated, so I knew I was moving back to Maryland, but I knew my parents were going to be like, my parents don't really, they're like very, very nice and have helped me a lot, but they also kind of said like, okay, well, like once you're full time, you're either paying to live here or you're paying to live somewhere, somewhere else. Right. Like you're not, yeah. we're not just going to have you here forever. Um, what were your thoughts on that? I, uh, I have this debate with my fiance all the time. Cause I think so, if our kid is home, I'm like, they're paying. And he's yeah. like, no. So here's the thing, like th- they paid for so much of my college and helped me with so much that like, I would feel bad living there if I didn't pay them anything, you know? And like, I feel like there were points after I moved out where my mom was like, oh, well, if anything ever happens, you know, you could come back. Like, I think they missed me. Um, but at the same time, like, I, I would have felt guilty. You know, they've already done so much. Like the least I could do is like help them out because they helped me a ton. Um, so yeah. I see both sides. My So my neighbor, his um, son moved back in with him and I don't, I don't think he like charges him anything, but the son is like always doing like the yard work and, you know, Mm -hmm. helping around the house and watching the dogs and things like that. So, I mean, I would definitely like my kids, if I had kids and they moved back home, I would say I might not charge them like as much as they would be paying elsewhere because like they would have to deal with like their parents, but I would still probably charge them. (laughs) You know what my friend's mom did that was actually really interesting is she, so my friend moved back home after college and her mom was like okay you're gonna pay us rent similarly to what you said it wasn't like as much as if you were moving into a city but it was maybe like 500 400 500 and so she was taking money from her and then when my friend moved out she found out that her mom had been putting it in a savings account for her I love that which is yeah. so smart and but she didn't tell her that at the time so it was like getting her in the rhythm of paying rent but not actually taking that money from her which I think is is a real if you're in a financial position to be able to do that I think that's like a really good way of doing it yeah yeah yeah. and like that's exactly the same thing yeah yeah like that's kind of what I did when I was looking to like buy a house I was kind of you know trying to pay a mortgage every month and like use that money for like the down payment because I was like well if I can't do it now (laughs) you know like when it's real I have to do it you know right so you bought a house at 23 is that right yes so in my defense damn girl it was right it was like a month it was like a month or it was two months before my 24th birthday so I was technically in your defense (laughs) in your defense yeah right (laughs) Um, but yeah so I so when I graduated I had a little chunk of savings like I wouldn't say it was like significant but it was it was something um and I kind of knew I wanted I, I had a dog. So I, I got a dog when I dropped to part-time my senior year, I was like, I'm going to get a dog. And so I did. Um, and I wanted to potty train my dog before I started full-time work. Um, so that was kind of like the motivation behind getting it while I was still in college. Um, and 
it was, it was when I moved home. So my parents have dogs and they're little dogs. And so I got a Husky and they're like, your dog's going to kill my dogs. Uh, <laughs> but he didn't. Um, yay. Um, but I, I knew I wanted, I knew I wanted a yard and I knew I wanted a fence and I wanted to be able to just let my dog out instead of having to like go out in the cold and the rain with him, hoping he goes to the bathroom quickly. Um, and so I knew that. And when I was looking to rent, like rent, I live in a high cost of living area. Like it is not cheap to rent a yard. Um, and so I couldn't afford that out of college at all. Um, what I could afford was, or like what I prioritized affording was living with two roommates in like a townhouse type place. And I basically had like the middle floor. So I had like my own bathroom, bedroom and like laundry was right across the hall, but everyone used that. And so it was like me and my dog and my roommates. And it was very, I mean, it was very reasonable for the area, but I mean, every, every day I'd have to let him out on a leash when it would snow, like Huskies love snow. And like, he couldn't really run around. Like I would take him to the dog park, but it just like, wasn't the same. So I, I knew I wanted to be working up to having a yard. And I think like, I think it was Amelie brought up in one of your all's recent ones that she was saying like, know your why. And like, that's what I wanted. Like I knew, I knew the reasoning why I, I didn't want to be renting. I knew, I knew that if I was renting, I'd be not only paying someone else's mortgage for that yard, but also like their taxes and all that stuff too. And like, I know people say houses are like not an investment, but like it really would have been so much more expensive monthly if I was renting that yard yeah. than like the townhouse. But at the same time, it is still like my mortgage right now is still much cheaper than if I was renting a house because mm -hmm. I did save that money. So it's like kind of a trade-off, I guess, but I knew I wanted a yard and I knew like in order to make that realistic, I would have to save a ton of money. And like, I was in a relationship. So my husband and I, we've been together for like, I don't know, almost 12 years. Like we met, like we met in high school, but like I was like a senior and he was a junior and we like ditched each other, ditched our dates for each other at prom. Um, <laughs> and, and it worked out. Um, but he was kind of like taking a sweet ass time through college and like I'm older and he was taking his time, like he switched majors his senior year, he was going back for another year, he didn't really know what he wanted to do. And I was kind of like, I'm not like waiting around and like not giving my dog a yard because of this. So yeah. like, I'm going to kind of keep doing my thing. And like, if, if it, he jumps on the bandwagon at some point, cool, but like, I'm not going to just like sit around relying on someone else. Like I want to do that my mindset. own thing. <laughs> yeah, like, I don't know, like, you, I mean, nothing's like guaranteed, you know, so it's like, I didn't want to like, put all my eggs in that basket and be like, well, when he, when he graduates and makes a ton of money, we can like get this together. Cause like my dog could be dead by that. Well, you know, like, you don't know, like, I just wanted to be able to like as quickly as possible get in a situation that like, I wanted to be loving where I lived, you know? Yeah. yeah. So I did, did you that. know you wanted to stay in the same area because I know that a lot of people or a lot of times people who are in their early twenties don't want to buy a house because they want to be like moving around or something yeah so I think like in, like interning where I worked really helped with that because like I knew going into my full-time job like I love this environment I love mm -hmm. the benefits I you know I kind of knew the in and outs and like I grew up like 45 minutes from there so I knew the area enough to kind of know like where and like then I was renting so I, I knew what areas I liked what areas I didn't like and I knew I was kind of in it for the long haul I didn't know whether it'd be you know 10 years forever like who, I, I still don't know that but I, I know I love I love this area in Maryland and I, I don't want to leave it anytime soon right that I know of you Where, know I mean I'm not saying like if the opportunity came I wouldn't move ever but like I write I really like it yeah. Where in Maryland are you because I'm in DC so oh okay I didn't know yeah. that I'm so I'm in Ellicott City so it's like okay. 
kind of in between. Um, I'm like 15, 20 minutes southwest of Baltimore. Mm-hmm. And then like probably like 45 minutes, 40 minutes from DC. Um, my very good friend lives in Ellicott City. Um, and there's an amazing park walking like you walk around a reserve centennial yeah it's yeah. like the lake in the middle yes yeah so I'm like the other side so that's like that's like a little bit of like a nicer side I guess like bougier <laughs> side um that's like the old like the old like um like there's like very big houses over there um but it's gorgeous I like I so my work I can like take that route home from work and I would like sometimes after work just like change in my car and like run around the lake I really like mm-hmm. it but, so but yeah, nice. so I'm, I'm like, if you've ever heard of like old Ellicott city, I'm like closer to that, um, which is like, it's technically a different zip code, but it's all Ellicott city. Um, but yeah, I'm on like the other side, but it's, it's a good area. I mean, there's good schools, good food, like very like small town feel, but like, um, I don't know, just lots of options. I really like it. Awesome. So how did you do it? How were you oh, able yeah, so- to, get <laughs> buy, to buy a house at 23? Yeah. So so I started with roommates. I mean, the roommates definitely helped. Um, so I was paying like, I don't know, I think total, I was paying like $700 a month in rent, which is still not insignificant, but for this area, it it's, I mean, you, you can't get a one bedroom apartment near that, um, especially now. But so I, I got the roommates. I, my landlord sucked. And like, I think I just, that just came with it being not, not crazy expensive. Um, but lived with them. I, renewed my lease there because I thought I'd be there another year um so a year after college then like six months into that lease like I guess like four months into that lease I realized like "Mm, like maybe I could do it sooner and then I like really buckled down but at the same time like I started grad school so I'm working full-time I'm in a long-distance relationship and I start grad school and I have a dog so like I didn't have time to spend money like I didn't have time to go on trips I didn't have time to like go out to dinner all the time. Like my time was spent, like I woke up, I took my dog for a run. I came home. I got ready. I went to work. I went to grad school somewhere in the middle of that. I let my dog out again, came home, exercised my dog, did grad school homework, repeat. Like that's like, that was my life for like, and I, I like was a crazy person. And I decided like, I was going to stack my master's classes. So I was taking like two classes at a time on top of my workload. So I, I did not have time. Like I, I did nothing. And like, it wasn't that I felt deprived because like I was like fully immersed and fully busy. It wasn't like I was sitting there like, oh my gosh, I really wish I could go on this trip or, oh my gosh, I really wish I spent $200 on going out to eat this month or week or whatever. Um, so it was kind of like a deprivation thing, which I don't believe in, but it was kind of like not on purpose. It just happened that way uh, because of what I was prioritizing, which was like right. my work, grad school, my dog. And like, I didn't even really, like my relationship was a priority, but at the same time, like because it was like a five hour drive, I wasn't going down there all the time. And even if I did, like my husband was in college, it's not like he had money to be going and doing things either. Right. So um, it kind of just happened. And then once I, I really was like tracking my spending and budgeting and kind of just seeing like, okay, realistically, what's a reasonable savings goal. And like, I, I pushed it like every month I was like, okay, I'm going to hit this goal. Like I'm going to hit it again. And I, then I kind of got into being a, like a little bit more frugal, I would say like, it's not that I'm like, trying to be cheap or anything but like if I could get something for free I was I'm like about that like that's like my thing is like trying to find free things like even now like I think I think the end of last year in like three months I got like three pairs of like a hundred dollar leggings for free and just like if I could find something that's free I usually find it 
Um, and so I, I got it like excited with that stuff and just like being smart with online shopping and like getting cash back and things like that. Like I just made sure that everything I did, I did with like a purpose and like I was intentional about like, okay, I like, I'm still going to buy my family gifts, but like, I'm going to make sure that I do it like my way. Um, if that makes sense. And yeah. so yeah. I buckled down like super, super, super hard, saved a shit ton of money. <laughs> um, and then I started looking for houses just kind of, I called my realtor from when I rented. Cause like I had to get a realtor when I thought, when I rented, because I had a Husky and Huskies are restricted breeds. So like I had to rent mm. private. I couldn't, I was like rejected by so many different complexes and things just because they're, they're not allowed. Um, so that was like a whole thing. So I called him and I said, Hey, I just want to look at houses to kind of get an idea of what I like so that when I'm ready, like I know. And then of course, like a month later, I'm like, but I love it. I'm ready. And like, <laughs> I, I, I don't know that I was ready at that point, but I, I almost was, I like went and I almost bought a foreclosure. Like I was, I put the paperwork in, I put the offer in, like I was ready to buy it. Um, and I think it was kind of like a blessing in disguise that it didn't work out. Like I, so I went to the inspection and it was winter and they, the like bank owned it obviously. And they went to turn the water on and they enabled the water to turn it on when no one was there. And so they turned it on left, whoever enabled the water. And I show up for my inspection to like a flooded basement and like pipes burst. And like the part of like the reason I thought it was a good buy was because the basement had like all drywall already in. Um, and I show up and like the drywall is like sopping wet. And I'm just like, okay, like, um, like, are you guys going to fix this? And they were like, no, like, yeah. we're not. It's buy it as really, is. Yeah. yeah. And I'm like, okay, but like, this is your fault. Like I agreed to buy this when these walls weren't sopping wet. Yeah. And the like rep for who like the foreclosure, whatever, they were like, no, like you agreed to buy as is. And I'm like, well, I'm rescinding my offer because this isn't as is as of the offer. Yeah. And so thank God that you can retract. <laughs> um, so I retracted my statement there and, or my offer there, um, got my deposit back and then kind of like reset, like what I was looking for. And then at that point I was kind of like, okay, maybe I don't need this right now. Like maybe I'm trying too hard. Like if I can only afford foreclosures, like maybe it's not worth it. And so I kind of like took a pause for like a hot minute and just was like, I'll worry about it later. And, but I still had like the search thing from my realtor. So I'd get like notified when things went up and then a thing went up and it said like, like I, I was at work and I at lunch checked my email and it's like, oh, this house is available. And I was like, there's no way I can afford that. Like, that's like, why is that in my search? And I clicked it and it was like, it was like almost too good to be true. So I called my realtor at my lunch and I said like, I need that. Like, I want that house. And same day he's like, okay, like, could you see it in an hour? And I'm like, well, shit, like I'm at work. But like, once again, like, I love my job. My job's super flexible. I, I had no meetings. So I like told my supervisor, I'm like, I'll be back in two hours. And I left and I went to look at the house and like in the basement of the house, I like told him, like, I was like, I need this. Like, how do I get this? And he's like, we'll call the realtor, like call the seller's realtor. So they were supposed to have an open house. Long story short, I had them cancel the open house. I put in a full price offer but they said like, I couldn't offer, like they would give me no closing help. Like that's the only way they would cancel the open house. So I had to pay 
all of closing costs, which sucks. Um, What does that mean exactly for our listeners? Yeah. So basically, granted, there are like first time homebuyer perks for sure. So definitely look into those. But also closing costs get paid by like the buyer and the seller. Um, I don't know as much from the seller side. I know they're typically more, I believe, but I'm don't quote me on that. Um, but from a buyer side, you do have to pay like a percentage, um, depending on where you live, um, to a percentage of the sale price to closing costs. And usually you can negotiate that in. So, um, for the foreclosure, I was negotiating that in and I said, Hey, you know, I need you to pay like, I don't even remember the exact number, but it was like, you know, I want you to pay $3,500 or $5,000 towards closing costs. And they had agreed. So that like helped me then use the cash I had to put a down, down payment down as like for the mortgage. Um, but this one, because the house I think was a little bit underpriced in my opinion. And I thought the, I thought that it'd become a bidding war if they had the open house, I just wanted it canceled. And the only way they were willing to do that was Mm -hmm. if I put in a full price offer and I did not ask for any closing costs, um, help. And so I did it. And unfortunately that meant that I had less cash, um, for the down payment. So in figuring out like what I could afford, um, it did end up being like a little bit more than I had anticipated for like the monthly payments, but it was still doable. And I knew it was doable just because I had been like budgeting and tracking and making sure. Um, but it was much more tight than I had originally wanted. Um, but I have no regrets. I, I live here now. I've lived here for going on six years. Um, and it's been great. And at the same time, like then my husband graduated and he, you know, he, we got engaged, he moved in. Um, then we got married and now like, I don't pay the whole mortgage. So right. it's gotten better. <laughs> How did you figure out what percent percentage to put down on the house? Um, yeah. So it kind of just worked. Like it was really, I wouldn't say I went for a percentage really. I kind of okay. just looked at like what, what cash I had and what cash I was comfortable draining from my account. And then, uh, you know, closing costs minus that out of all of that. Um, and then I just, what, what that amount was, was what I was willing to put down. And I then told the lender that, and we kind of worked out like what, what a happy number would be. Um, but I, I don't, I did not put down 20%. I did negotiate out of PMI. Um, and at the time, my like I know interest rates are really low right now. Anyways, um, at the time, they I was kind of having two lenders competing, and the one lender I almost went with had a lower interest rate than the one that I was I actually liked, because um, the one basically was like I don't know I did not like him, um, but he he had a better rate, and I kept telling the other lender like Hey, I want to work with you, but like you need to match this rate, um, and they ended up matching the rate but then because I didn't want to pay PMI they were like well we could up your rate and I was like no 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 I don't want to up my rate so then the other guy said he would lower the rate so I had them going back and forth and I was really just negotiating and what it came down to was I actually accepted the lender that was a like and I think it was like an eighth percentage point higher than I could have gotten but she had agreed to not have PMI. And at the, in the long term, that actually might cost me like a fair amount of money, but I'm, that's a whole thing in terms of how I'm working my mortgage, but it's very personal. And that's the thing is like, you got to do like what makes sense for you. And like, I really didn't trust the one lender at all. And yeah, I just, in my in gut, situation. yeah, I just, in my gut, didn't feel good about it. And 
it, I ended up with a very, very good interest rate. I mean, it's still comparable. Like I have not refinanced my house oh, wow. even with all the stuff going on because my interest rate's pretty good. So, and I did the math and it just doesn't make sense because the amount of interest I've already paid. Right. Um, so that's, that's kind of what I did. And I would say, I think I ended up putting down just under 10%. Um, I think it was like nine something. Um, and to me, that was good, you know, especially for like the situation I was in. I, I wished it could have been a little bit more just because I wanted the closing cost help. But uh, at the end of the day, like now, like it's just like, you know, it's not even a thought. Yeah. Um, but in terms of like goals, I mean, obviously the, the golden goal is to put down 20% if you can, just so you don't have to deal with that headache. Um, because I know a couple people that I am friends with, they have PMI and like they hit the 20% and then they're trying to like get it removed. Um, and it's just like added chaos, I guess. Um, but it's really just like what you're comfortable with and like what monthly payment you're comfortable with and like how stable, how stable is your income so that if right. like, you know, something did happen, you're not stuck with this huge monthly payment. Um, cause you don't, you don't want to put yourself in a position where you can't be paying your mortgage. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so you kind of tapped in on this, but like, did you deplete your entire emergency fund house fund, or did you still have money left over? Because, um, I think we can forget that there's other costs when you buy a home, like oh, yeah. taking care of the home. So I'm just curious as to like percentage wise or like whatever you feel comfortable, like how much was left after you bought your home? Yeah. So I drained a lot of it, like most of it, like I, I still, I wouldn't say I had no money left. I think I had like, I don't remember the exact number, somewhere between five and 10 grand, I would say probably closer to five, um, which is very risky. Um, but I also knew like how my work was structured. So I have like different, like three paycheck months. So I knew like when I would recoup that money and like, I knew what level of risk it was. Um, I did almost have a breakdown because when I moved in, um, like probably, I don't know, within the first six months of living here, my ceiling started leaking in my kitchen and I was like convinced it was my roof and like, was like mm. coming. I don't know. I had like this huge thing and I was like, I can't afford a roof. Um, and that was like a scary moment. And that kind of put it like, okay, well maybe you shouldn't be doing like being this risky. Um, but it wasn't my roof. It was like the seal, like this thing to seal on your roof where like your fan vents out. Um, so it was like, it cost me, it was going to cost me like very little money. And then the guy was late and he didn't charge me. So it was fine. Um, nice. <laughs> but, but it was like a panic moment. And I will say like, that's, and that's what part of like what we've paid in the last five years, like that 150 K number um, that doesn't count our mortgage. That just counts like the, well, it's not five years anymore because um, it's been almost, it's been more than that. But in like the 2015 to 2020 range, um, that 150 K number that we've paid off, doesn't include our mortgage, but it does include a ton of house repairs. So mm, as soon yeah. as I moved in, I got like, a so I have a Husky, they jump fences. So you need a six foot privacy fence. So that's not cheap either. Um, right. So that was like the first big expense was getting the fence. The next big expense was we needed a roof. Then after that, um, it snowed and our heat broke. So we had like no heat for three days. Um, and we had to get our entire HVAC replaced. Oh um, so there has been, and I mean, granted, it's been. Buy $10,000. Bye. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. Love so, you. 
Um, I actually, so that's like a whole long story that I won't get into, but I had, I had a home warranty. So it was like actually half off, um, oh, which nice. was like really good. Um, and I was like ready to cancel it. Cause like, I thought it was completely worthless, which like some of them completely are. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just was waiting. I was like, please break so that I get my money's worth. And it did. <laughs> I was like, this is great. But if it would have broke a month earlier, I would have saved like $500 or something, but it's fine. Um, wow. but yeah, so there, there are like a lot of costs and like, we just got a new shed. Um, it's just like things that you don't realize that you'd have to like care about and be excited about and like maintain are definitely part of home ownership. Um, still at the end of the day, like I don't, I love where I live. I don't regret it. The amount of money like we put in is a lot, but at the same time, like I would have been, if I wanted to rent a yard, like I would have been putting in, in my opinion, just as much, if not more, um, right. And now like we're building equity and things like that, but. Yeah, I want to go back to, you mentioned briefly that as you were planning to purchase this house, you were also in grad school, which to me feels like so crazy overwhelming because grad school is also super expensive. So how did you factor that into your budget? Uh, and What did that look like financially? So it didn't because my work paid for it. Yeah, um, I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> I in my, literally knew in my head and I was like, this is the way to do it. Yeah. You remind me so much of my boyfriend because he lived in Baltimore. My fiance, I don't, my boyfriend, Uh, he, uh, he, he lived in Baltimore and was able to save so much because I think he paid like 400 bucks in rent. Um, yeah. And like took the internship out of college is still there. Um, and probably will be for the next 20 years. And yeah, he was just able to like put so much money away and he was like, yeah, you just got, you remind me so much of him. And, um, he went to grad school and got his, um, MBA through his and that's for me so Amelie's been in the nine to five worlds for her whole career but I have been in the in the entrepreneur and also gig work and there's like this fear of gig work of uh for gig people to like go into the nine to five world they feel like it's constrictive and all this stuff and I'm like they pay for college (laughs) you know like they they have medical like they have 401ks I'm like oh my god what was I thinking I mean it was just so scary like you're like no I need to go be free but I obviously I will say like I I'm very lucky because I kind of have that mentality too is like I don't like I don't like I'm I'm not claustrophobic. There's some other word for it where it's like the fear of being trapped. Like, it's not like Mm. I don't like small spaces because I feel like it's too small of a space. I don't like small spaces, like, because I feel like I could be trapped in them. Like, so if there's a window in a small space, I'm fine with it. Like if there's a way out and that's kind of how I feel with like life, like I, but but I can fly for some reason. So it's like, it doesn't really make sense, but I don't like feeling trapped in There's so many windows in an airplane. (laughs) (laughs) But I don't like feeling trapped in a situation. Like I always want like to be able to like have that comfortability of like being able to get out if I want, which I guess like a mortgage, you can you know sell your house if you really wanted to get out. But like with work, it was like, I didn't want to feel like I was stuck there. I wanted to feel like I could kind of make my own decisions. And my work is super flexible. So like, yes, I do work like technically nine to five, but like I am a morning person just because I like having daylight and like being able to be outside, like and do my own thing after work. So my work's cool with that. I get in like super early and like I'm done work some days, not others, but some days I could be done work by like three and like tomorrow I'm getting my hair done and like I'm working for three hours in the morning and then I'm going to get my hair done. Um, and some days are crazy. And like some days I have to work super long hours, but for the most part, my work is super, super flexible about giving me the time off I want and like letting me kind of flex my hours based on like what I want, what I want to do. 
Um, yeah. So that's been nice. My work is the same way. And that's, I mean, what I've really learned because I also, my first job out of college was not that way. I had to clock in and out to go to the bathroom, which is absolutely, I'm so serious. Insane. I feel like that's illegal. I mean, it should be, but here we are. Um, <laughs> but uh, what was I going to say? Oh yeah. But I, 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 what I found out is that like companies that are flexible like that, like make you want to stay and that give you that flexibility. It just is a, it's a retention tool for your employees. So it's Wait, like, so how do you feel then about unlimited PTO? Do you I feel think the it's, same way about that? No, I think it's no, bullshit. I'm the same way. I'm the same way. <laughs> yeah. Wait, because, why? because, um, cause then you feel guilty, like taking it. Well, yeah. Less you don't pe- know how much is yeah. reasonable and like, people I need, take like, less a number to work PTO. with. Yeah. Yeah. People take less PTO because you feel like you like shouldn't be allowed to take it. But if you have the number, then it's like, you will take it. Also, if you leave your job, you don't get paid out for vacation days because you don't have any allocated to you. Whereas if you have the vacation days, then you actually get paid out for them. So it's like a hundred percent agree. Yeah. I think about this all the time. (laughs) Literally never thought about this one. (laughs) (laughs) But I always wonder, I always wonder, because a lot of people that are like into like the flexible work thing, like they're like also like, oh, like unlimited PTO. It's so flexible. And I'm like, no. So I'm like, I, I totally agree with you. Yeah. Yeah. I, it's, I think it's just a, what's the word for it? It's like a, it's a trap. It's a trap. Yeah, it's whatever. A tra- it's a trap with no windows. <laughs> um, so I'm really curious. Um, I mean, you clearly love to have your plate full of when you decided I want to <laughs> teach people how to how to budget to get their finances in order and like that whole transition and when did that start and how's it going and like what are what do you love working with clients on? Yeah, so it kind of started like informally. So I got done grad school and I was kind of just in even in grad school, people I knew kind of were asking me like, oh, like, how are you saving for a house? How did you figure that out? Like, kind of just asking me random questions. And I would just, I love talking and I love helping people. And I love Ew. personal finance. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't talk at all. Um, but, but yeah. And so it kind of just happened naturally where I would like help people I knew. And then they would kind of tell people and then I would help those people. And it kind of just grew. Um, and then once I got done school and then planned a wedding and kind of finished, it was like, okay, well, like what, what now? Like, what am I, what can I do? And then this started to kind of evolve. And I was like, oh, like I could make this like an LLC. Like I could build this to be something. Mm-hmm. Um, so I decided to do that. Learned a lot in the process. Um, I knew nothing about um, like actually forming an LLC or like establishing yourself as a business owner. Yeah. Um, so that was new, but still cool to learn that stuff um but in the process I've helped I've helped so many people and it's really cool to see like the change like even just like personally like I've firsthand I mean helped myself and then I figured out you know what what worked for me and like what didn't and like why and then as I started to help others I could see like in different situations what their experiences were because like it's not a one-size-fits-all and even like my husband so my husband he I married into a lot of debt so um Mm -hmm. He had, he had <laughs> such a funny thing to say. <laughs> like his was, I married into a lot of money. Yeah. I, I did not money. marry for the money. <laughs> <laughs> Actually like the complete opposite. Um, but he had credit card debt. Um, he still has loans, you name it. Um, and so just trying to like navigate that. Um, I learned a lot about like budgeting as a couple. And so 
being able to then like take that and uh, like I have clients that come to me they're like oh like you know I'm I want to get into budgeting but like my spouse doesn't and like oh I you know I think we're doing okay but like I I just think we could be doing better and that's like my favorite part is like when people are just doing okay and I talked about a little bit this week in like my stories but I think like some people wait till it's really bad before they go to like fix things and that's like been my husband forever like like he, he hated his major, he hated his major. Oh, he's about to graduate. Let's change it. And it's like, you know, like, like people wait till they're in these like terrible financial situations to like, be like, oh my gosh, I'm like drowning. What do I do now? And I think my favorite part is when someone's like, I'm not settling for okay. Like I want to, I want to change it now. Like, I don't mm-hmm. want to wait till like these extremes happen. Yeah. And I think that's been like really cool to see. Not like, not that my husband was that, that case. Um, when we got married, obviously he was in a lot of debt and kind of the extreme bad. Um, but he was anti everything. Like he was anti budgeting, anti tracking, spending anti, he just wanted to spend money and not worry. Um, but then now, like, I think what we've learned is like, you don't worry if you are doing those things, you worry when like, you're not caring. Um, um, but, but yeah. And so that kind of like gave me like a new perspective there too. And just seeing like people now coming out of college and like, you know, having student loans or having debt and like trying to navigate like, Oh my gosh, like, well, I want to afford a house. I want to afford a wedding. I want to afford grad school. I want to afford trips. It's like, okay. But like at the same time, like you need to find that balance between like the, like, I want to afford all this stuff or like the spend, spend like crazy and like the balance of, okay, let's at least set ourselves up. So 10 years from now, we're not miserable and then just starting over, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Personal question. Talk to us about your 401k. Are you like, I have to max it out every year or do you? I, so I've never maxed it out. Um, but I essentially, so once again, um, my work is really great. Um, and I have a 403b, which is essentially the same thing. Um, it just has to do with like the type of company you work for. And I have not maxed it out, but through employer matching, I have contributed more than 19.5, um, Mm. because of that. Um, but one of my goals is to max it out and I will at some point, um, I'm getting closer. I just, um, upped it again, but I'm, I'm still not, I'm still not at the max. Um, but I wish I was, but someday. You're doing a lot of things, right? I think you'll get there. (laughs) (laughs) Fingers crossed. Yeah. I think something that's really cool about your story. Um, and it made me think when you were like, I married in, I, I married into debt. Like technically I also marry, I'm marrying into debt because he has a mortgage. And I think redefining, I think you're helping people understand that debt isn't bad. Um, and it doesn't have to be bad. There is certainly bad debt, but like having your own home and building equity, like that's a really good form of debt. And like, mm-hmm. um, well, see, I didn't even think about that because technically then he also married into debt because I had a mortgage. Right. <laughs> so well, right, we want to get technical debt marriage. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think it's like you married into like mismanagement, like, which is like the track I was on before I got my finances in order. Anybody who Same. had been with me would have been marrying into like mismanagement yeah. and not any good debt. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's the thing too, is like, people are like, oh, like, you know, you need to have like, you need to be on the exact same page when you get married. And like, yes, that makes it like 20 times easier. But like, I think that we had already been together for like, I don't even know, like seven, 
some number of years before we got married where it was kind of like we knew we knew that like we were working out and we knew it was going well and like it's like you know we're just in he was like fresh in college still you know like it was kind of like I'm not going to judge someone for having student loans or mismanaging money when like they're not even really in like adult life yet you know like and so maybe that means in general people are getting married later for things like that but um yeah, I mean, it worked out and it's working out. We've definitely had ups and downs um, and we have not always been on the same page, but because of that, from like a coaching perspective, it's been great because we've tried so many different things that now it's when people have different, oh, like, well, I want to spend my money this way and they want to do it this way. We can kind of like go over different approaches that they can try based on what I've done and what's worked and what hasn't. Um, But yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, I have a question on a different track. So it sounds, so you have always kind of been like uh, into STEM, math, science, like all that stuff, which I think is so awesome when I hear like a woman, especially being like, I was always into math and I'm like, fuck yeah, I love that. Um, But I guess I have a question of like, how did, was that just the way that you were born into this world? Did you have like mentors that were guiding you in that direction like how did you get interested in that field and what is it like being a woman in STEM good question yeah I like that so um I did not really I guess my mom my mom is like so my mom was she's a computer science major so that's she was Mm. STEM before I was even born Um, but she actually didn't want to do it um she she wanted to do like English or history or something and um my her parents basically said like oh we'll pay for college um but we want you to either do like I think it was like law school computer science or something or like become a doctor some some like ridiculous like high bar claim and she was like well the least schooling is computer science so like (laughs) I'll go there and so she she did not like it I don't think and I think that kind of helped her like not pressure me into like a or pigeonhole me into like a major or anything like that. Um, and so she, she did computer science. I mean, computer science from then to now is totally different. So she's still, she's still doing computer science, but it's evolved so much. Um, and so she did that. My dad also did computer science. Um, thank God they did not push me to computer science because uh, that is not my forte. Um, <laughs> but, but they, they were in it and they kind of, I guess, like seeing, seeing them do well and seeing them like, like succeed. I knew that like that career field was good, but I, I didn't really know much else about it. And then like they, I mean, I went to, I went to private school for like three years. Then my parents, we moved to the middle of nowhere. Um, and I went to public school there and there really wasn't, I mean, it was an okay school. It wasn't like anything wild. There were there weren't a ton of like AP courses offered and things like that. Like I took AP statistics and really liked it. And that's what kind of got me there. But um, like there wasn't the the plethora that there are at some other schools. And so I kind of just did well and was like, I guess like one of like the smart people there, but it wasn't, it wasn't like I was doing anything wild, like going to these different like charter schools or Mm. getting mentorships that way. Um, And so I kind of was like, oh, I, I like this. I'm good at this, I guess. I'll try it in college and if it works, it works and it worked. Um, right. But 
since then I've gotten a little smarter with like mentorships. And so like at my work now, they have like a mentorship program that I take advantage of and things like that. But leading up to it, I, I kind of just swung in and it kind of just worked out, which like, I'm super grateful for. Yeah. Do um, you found something that you were good at? Yeah. Yeah. And I liked it. So it was like, like I could do something I liked that I'm good at and get paid a good amount of money. So why not? But women in STEM, my, so my mom's trying to like volunteer more for like, uh, like high school STEM. So like she could go and like encourage like women to be involved more. And I think that's awesome. I have not done any of that. Um, but I think it's cool. Yeah. Very cool. It is very cool. And I mean, you have to start people young because, um, yeah, it's like just exposing kids as early as possible to, to the different options, especially like exposing women to STEM and, and really getting out of this. Like, like, I love hearing you say that you were just good at math because I think there's so many women out there who t- tell themselves or are told that they're bad at math because it's like naturally supposed to be a more like masculine or male dominated industry. And I think that's just so fucked up. I was yeah. so good at math until geometry. And then I was so bad at math, which is so funny because I love astrology and astrology is all geometry. But yeah, I see, I, I was not great at geometry. And I think that's why like, um, what is it? Is it Calc 3? One of the, like, I think it's Calc 3. It's like, really, it's like very visual and like geometry based. And like, I was so bad at it because I just that I'm more like the algebra and the stats side of things. Oh, God, love it. That's another thing is people put this like, people say like, oh, I'm bad at math, but it, they don't realize that there's, there's so, so many much. different kinds of math. And it's like, your brain probably does well in one of the areas of yeah. math because they're all so different and use like different parts of your brain. So totally. if you are more visual, you're probably going to be good at geometry. And it's like, don't just, don't just throw a, a phrase yeah. over the whole, yeah. yeah. Like it's like, try different yeah. parts. Yeah. Until, but until we're in high school, it's just called math. Exactly. Yeah. 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 And like, I was even guilty of that. Like, I mean, I have, so my undergrad is statistics and my master's is math. Um, and I thought I was like, Oh, I, I know all the different types of math. And I picked the complete wrong masters, like Mm. focus. Like I, so my masters would have been the same title regardless of like the focus I picked. Um, but like my track I picked was totally off and like, I sucked it up for a couple semesters and I just checked the box of those classes because I, I was not into it. And then like, I like was able to then thankfully pick like which ones I wanted, like elective wise after that. But yeah, definitely different types of math and definitely (laughs) worth looking into for other people. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, So we always ask our listeners, what if you could describe your relationship in one word, what would it be? Did I say relationship with money? What? I don't think <laughs> I, I said like, anything in that sentence. I don't, right? think, I don't think that made any sense. If you could uh, describe your relationship with money in one word, what would it be? I could have said it. I get it. I just said it wrong the first time. I thought you were talking about like me and my husband. I'm like, wow, that's like, I lit- that's like a deep thing. <laughs> I literally can't even tell you what I just said. I actually have no words. <laughs> well, I would, okay. So I would say intentional and like that's, a shameless plug for my my business because <laughs> I do think I do think though like that was my word of the year last year and like LLCing with that in the word like my word of the year was like awesome for me mm. but I just think that doing things to do things is where you kind of get lost and I think that when you like take a second to think about like why you're doing this and like what will that bring you and like how much closer your goal will that bring you and just like having a purpose and being intentional I think that really just like like leaps you forward so. absolutely 
well, money is a tool, you know, like it's a, it's a tool that you use to enhance your life. So being intentional about it is like one of the best things that you can do. Yeah. And I, really so like, this is the nerd in me. This is the nerd in me is like, I say that about math is like math's a tool to like explain different like sciences and different like trends and things. So I like, I love it. I like that. Yeah. Use data to tell a story. Yeah. Yeah. So going back to plugging yourself, why don't you tell everybody where they can find you? What's going on? We want to know everything. Yeah. So you can find me on Instagram. That's probably like where I'm the most active at the intentional sense, C-E-N-T-S sense. Um, And other than that, I just got on the Pinterest game. So feel free to find me on Pinterest and follow me. I really don't know what I'm doing yet there, Um, but I'm learning. Um, and then I also have a Facebook page and an email, sam at theintentionalsense.com if you have any questions or want to reach out to me about uh, money coaching. Uh, awesome. Amazing. Um, and then we like to end every podcast by saying three things that we're grateful for. So would you so, like to start us off? Yes, of course. So I would say I'm just grateful for stability, whether it be like health, money, um, job, things like that. I just think like stability in general, I'm very grateful for. Um, that's like also my personality type. That's like where I thrive is being stable. Um, you? <laughs> um, and then just like, other than that, I would say um, living really close to a lot of my friends and family, like being able to come back and live in Maryland and be in driving distance to a lot of people I love and care about. Super grateful for that. And then just like my little unit here, my dogs and my husband, just like over COVID being stuck inside and just in our little bubble. Um, we drive each other nuts, but it's a lot of fun. <laughs> That's so sweet. Um, I'm really curious real quick, like what your star sign is. I've been thinking about it for the last hour. Like astrology? Yeah. Take a guess. I, I mean, Capricorn. Capricorn. Or, yeah. <laughs> or Cancer would be my second guess. Oh, damn it. Tara. Oh, oh that, that was good but you, you maybe have Capricorn in other parts of your chart okay so that's I was actually listening to your episode about like the what is it the like the sun, yeah, yeah yeah I cannot figure mine out and I'm so bad at it but I've like I read Taurus all the time but I don't know that people are like oh but like you have this moon and I I have no idea how to do it so I need you to teach me I'm happy to we love <laughs> <Okay>. it <now. laughs> I There's also like, yeah, AJ is like good at, at walking people through that, but you could also go and, and just do like free uh, moon sign calculator. And yeah. So I did that last in. week. I did that last week. And then it's like, enter your email and then like, oh, yeah. so. <laughs> that's how they get you. Yeah. Just let AJ do it. <laughs> I'll, send you, I'll send you the site that I use and then I can walk you through like, oh yes. Yeah. I it's, love it. it's so fun. Um, okay. Amelie, you want to go? Yes. Um, I am grateful for my work. Actually, this conversation really made me realize that like my nine to five is similarly to yours, like super flexible, like a a really good company overall. And I'm very grateful to have that stability in my life. Um, I'm grateful for conversations like this and just talking to awesome people and being able to be connected through this little finance community. I love it. Um, and I'm grateful for snow. It snowed today and it's very beautiful. Oh, it's supposed to snow like Sunday here. And I'm really hoping we get some because I have huskies and I love it. Oh That's yeah, they so would cute. they would go crazy. It snowed here the last couple of days and it's like a winter wonderland. So after this, I'm going to go out and walk around in it. 
Um, I am grateful for my support group, my support group, my support network. I have like the most amazing, amazing support systems in my life. Um, And they were all like, a lot of them weren't inherited. They came in and um, I just feel really lucky. And I am grateful for the babysitter who's watching my dog right now. (laughs) And I am grateful for this. I make my homemade granola and (laughs) I am obsessed with this recipe. And I should, I'm going to put it in the show notes of this person who blogged this because it is literally like the most grounding thing I've ever done. And I eat it every day and I love it so much. So thank you, whoever made that granola. <laughs> you, I'm so happy for my granola. Whatever works. <laughs> I, so I went on like a, what's that? What's it called? It's not granola, but it's like, is it moistly? I'm so bad at pronunciation. Oh, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah that. Um, I got like a free trial of that and I am like hooked. I'm like hooked on it. I've bought like, I think eight bags off Amazon and I'm like, I, I should that. just learn how to make it. Yeah. So I make it, I make it every 10 days and it is just a game changer. It's really changed my life. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, it's like, I'm not joking. Like, no, I, you're serious. I am serious about this. <laughs> so I'll put it in the show notes so everybody can go and make it themselves. Yeah. Cool. Um, well, we loved having you. It was a blast. And thank you for all the listeners to listening to Everybody's Bad With Money. Um, and this podcast was presented by Beyond the Green Coaching. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and our website, beyondthegreencoaching.com. We offer private group and uh, financial wellness courses. And we can't wait to hear from you. Thank you. We'll talk to you next week. Bye. Bye.